Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of uh, the Investor Frame podcast. I'm super excited to have my guest uh, and friend, Carson Demick. Uh, he's a 22-year-old entrepreneur who absolutely crushes it in the wholesaling space. I know he's starting to do some other things in real estate. And, um, you know, I've just always been impressed by how he approaches business. So I'm excited to have him here today to share his story. Uh, welcome in, Carson. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So let's start by pulling apart your background. I mean, you're 22 years old. So, you know, I say background, we're talking about like high school and, and, and that <laughs> age, like, how did you get to this point? Like, how did you get into real estate? What, what brought you in? And um, tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah. So um, like growing up, I don't, I don't think I ever really had a, an idea that I wanted to be in real estate at all. Um, but I always loved the hustle. Like I always loved buying and reselling things. That was kind of that, you know, when I, when I got to the point of like, okay, let me decide a career path. That was what I fell back on. Like um, I used to go to garage sales as a kid, buy stuff, resell it. Anything I could buy and resell to make a profit, I was like all in. Like I loved, loved doing that, you know, from an age where like, it was like, there was obviously something more to it about what I enjoyed doing because, you know, when you, when I was nine, I wasn't like, oh, I want to become a millionaire. It was just like, I can buy this bouncy ball for, you know, 25 cents and sell it for $5. Like, that's cool. <laughs> like, it's really cool. So you were flipping from, uh, from diapers, basically you were flipping stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Always. Um, and so, and we can talk about more like the fundamentals. I think that that came down to, I think that'll probably come up later because I've questioned, you know, why I do what I do, obviously. But so I turned, oh, I think it was when I was uh, right after I turned 18, um, I had graduated high school the, you know, the final, the previous spring when I was 17, um, I was homeschooled. So we kind of were able to, you know, had a little bit of flexibility. I went to college starting when I was 16. Um, I was able to through a program. And so I started to go for business. I went for um, three semesters, part-time for the first semester and the full-time for the second two. And I never really, um, I never loved it. I never loved going to college out as from like an education standpoint, like I wasn't, I wasn't in it for the right reasons. I loved the, the community aspect of it and being with, um, you know, learning with other people and helping them learn and, and having that kind of community. But I never loved like, like I studying, I guess. And that's probably pretty common. But so during that time, I was working as a lifeguard um, from 17 to 18. And um, when I got out of the summer of um, 2018, so I was 17, somebody introduced me to the idea of wholesaling real estate. And I remember um, I also, my, my buddy's dad introduced me to it, like talked to me about it. And then I also saw it on uh, um, like YouTube, Ty Lopez had a guy on Jalen. Mm, yeah, yeah. He he's a young kid. He was 21. I was 18 at the time. And he was doing, you know, 50, hundred K a month. Um, doing wholesaling. And so I started to like research what that was. And, um, and it turns out you're just kind of buying and reselling things, you know, you're taking something and you're selling it for more for a profit. And I was like, mm -hmm. I didn't even like feel like I really had to think about it. Like maybe I did, I don't remember. Um, but I was able to, the way like the lifeguard shift work is like you had three, 30 minutes on and 30 minutes off all day. So I kind of like started while I was at work, you know, my breaks, cold calling or like researching, um, I ended up buying a course for like a thousand dollars that helped me kind of learn the fundamentals of, you know, the, what the contracts look like, how to talk to certain people in the industry. Um, so 
from there, I kind of just like, I just committed to it mentally. I was like, this is, um, well, I started going to meetups first, uh, in my local area. Like the course I bought one awesome, um, thing that the guy included was like a list of local meetups you could go to. So I started going to these meetups and just meeting people. And I love that, like the social aspect of that. And I met this one guy who was doing like 10 deals a month, making on average, like 5,000 a deal as far as wholesaling. Um, that was my understanding of what he was doing. And so in my head, and he was, you know, middle-aged guy. And I was like, but if he can do 10 a month and I see like the principle of it, and I know there's other people, young people doing it. I can do one a month. Like I know I have that in me. Like I can figure that out. So, and if, you know, I'm living with my parents in 18, if I can make five grand a month, like I'm still living like a king at the end of the day. Right. So, um, so I, after like that, I kind of made this commitment to just like, I'm just going to do this. This makes a lot of sense. Um, and so it took me, took me probably like six months to get my first deal. Um, I think I had a broken foot at the time and I was like really procrastinating, like a, a lot of, um, what like paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis is what they call mm-hmm. it. Um, and that kind of came down to like fear of like the unknown of cold calling. Like it's such a weird thing to pick up a phone and call someone to ask to buy their house when you don't, you've never bought a house before. Um, and so finally got over that hump and closed my first deal while I was lifeguarding immediately. It was like, it was like an $8,000 profit. So were you still going to school at this time? Um, no, at this time I, I, uh, I didn't, I don't even think I heard about wholesaling until like a couple months after I stopped going to college. And then like that summer, I kind of made the decision, like, I, I don't want to go back to college. I know I want to do my own thing. I've always loved doing my own thing. Let me just continue in that and chase after this real estate thing. Well, that's a tough decision right there. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to bring up for those who are listening to this show, the, the idea of the title of this show is called the investor frame. The investor frame says, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to opt into my current situation? And I think a lot of us have that have made our journey into entrepreneurship. We, we face that like crossroads at a certain point where you're just like, this thing is going to work. Like, I know I decided to go to college. I know I decided to, to pursue this certain career path, but at a mm-hmm. certain point you realize you're out of alignment. So, you know, I guess, was that an easy transition for you to be able to say, this just isn't going to work. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I know it's not, I know it's not this. Yeah. Um, I would say it was a really easy transition for me to make. And I think it's gonna, it comes down to, like you said, what you know and what you've, the more you've probably decided on committing towards one thing, the harder it's going to be to turn away from it. But I had never really decided to go to college in hopes of like building a career off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was literally like, I can be at home and do school or I can be at college and do school in high school. So that was the decision for me. Um, and then another thing I'll mention too, like that made it easier. I did, I think I, I, I it was that summer I ran a power washing business. So I decided to like, it was maybe the summer before, but either way, like getting the money from uh, that one wholesale deal and then the power washing business while I was going to college, like in my head, it completely outweighed the idea of college because it was Mm -hmm. something that I could correlate back to. I've always wanted to do my own thing. Um, So, and now I have proof that it can support me if I do it well enough. So it was just like, how do I do it well enough? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and maybe like, maybe people get confused with the opinions of their parents and others, as far as they thinking they decided to go to college to pursue a career path. When a lot of 
that was never really their decision or they didn't make it because it was what they wanted. It was what somebody else, they thought somebody else wanted for them. And so like maybe making that distinction could help people in their mind as far as like, no, I never decided I wanted to follow this. So I kind of have a clear slate to figure out what I really want to do. That's helpful. Well, and that's such a, I mean, you're in the whale club, right? And so, you know, we talk about a lot of these things around how, how it's difficult to, to see that for a lot of people, but the more clearly you can, uh, well, I should say the less you get attached to, to the expectations of what it has to be, the, mm. the easier it becomes to, to step through it. And what I like about what you also did, we have another phrase that we talk about micro stepping, right? So if you're going to do something new, let's take small micro steps. You didn't, I mean, you, you still had a job and you started figuring out how to wholesale and you started going to meetups and, you know, six months later, you got your first deal, right? These are all slow progressions to get to where you were, where you had viability. Now you can point to it and you can say, there's actually something to this. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that transition where you realized, hey, there's actually something to this. Because I know there was a point in time when I met you where you were doing close to 10 deals a month. I don't know if you were doing more or less than that. But um, <laughs> so how did it go? Like, what was that first you know, you first six months, you struggled to get a deal, but what was the next, you know, six months, next year, like from there? Hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool to look back on. Like I, I never really looked back on it. So it's cool to, to hear the progression, I guess, from someone else's eyes, but, yeah. um, so the, you know, when I closed my first deal, um, it honestly didn't like, you know, for me, it didn't do too much just closing that deal because in my head, like seeing, the other investor do it was enough for me to like have proof of concept. Like, um, and then me getting, like, he was kind enough to let me work with him and like go hang out with him and um, learn from him uh, and watch him cold call, watch him do all these steps. So I was able to see like, this isn't some master plan that he's got hidden in his closet. Like literally he's going to hang out with his his buddies at seven o'clock at night in a garage and listening to Eminem. And they're all just hitting the phones, like calling and laughing. I was like, this is not like, that was enough. Um, So, I mean, like, Um, and his name was Todd. And so I'm grateful for that. Like that probably was what put me over the first mental slump or hump of like, is this, is this real? Mm -hmm. Um, is this attainable for me? So once I did that, I got the first deal. Um, and then it just became, uh, I think it was really difficult for me to, um, stay motivated by money. Um, because, the because a the reason I wanted to make money deep down that I, I wasn't even aware of then, and then b the fact that I didn't need a lot of money to pay with pay my bills because I still lived with my parents, so there was nothing like I didn't have anything against my back. You know, if if once I made that first eight thousand dollar check, you know, in my head it was like I don't really have any debt. Um, you know, my bills this will cover my bills for however many months I, I want it to. So there wasn't like this the force I had to kind of find reasons and look for outside motivation. Um, because I didn't know my why, as far as why I was doing what I was doing. So it was a struggle for at least six months. Um, just it's, it's always a struggle, but the first year was really hard after I closed that first deal to stay consistent. And so what kind of the progression of that to me a, being able to be, um, you know, doing what I'm doing now without needing um, an outside force to nest, well, a, another person to push me towards that. Um, that started realizing by realizing, uh, like when I started doing 10 deals a month, it was, I needed to be with other people doing the same thing. 
at the time. And so I, we ended up, me and my buddy Mike and my buddy and Todd, the guy who kind of mentored me, um, we started meeting together every single day and cold calling. Like Monday through Saturday, we were just meeting together at the office, same time. Um, we had, you know, Todd there who was, uh, me and Mike had Todd there who was like a, a mentor to us to ask questions to. Um, and then we had each other like at the same level going through the same thing together. So that was, you know, we did that for like a year just, and, and that kind of limit, it was weird how it worked in my mind, but it like eliminated this, this question in my head of like, should I get out of bed and work today? Like, it was like, no, me and Mike and Todd are going to work today. We have fun. Like we're going to get deals. It's exciting. Like, let's go do it. So I went with that for like a year. And then that's at the end of that year was right about when we met. Mm. I love that, man. So you, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of downside, first of all, when you're living at home. And you don't have a whole lot of bills, right? So you were making money, but your downside was like almost nothing because you're you're probably just pulling lists and cold calling, right? You're using yeah. your time to build that. And uh, well, let me ask you this. Why do you think so many people, I made this mistake. Um, I came in guns blazing and I was like, we're going to start spending money on direct mail and we're going to do, you know, PPC and I'm going to hire cold callers before I actually know how to cold call, mm -hmm. right? This was my mistake. Why do you think so many entrepreneurs do that? And like, how are you able to avoid that trap? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, social media, well, it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of the analogy that people use, but it's like, the, okay, the grass is always greener type thing. Um, like that, what I used to struggle with like FOMO a lot in that aspect. And I think fear of missing out is what drives a lot of that going from this to this, like the next best thing you don't want to miss out at the end of the day. So I struggled with that for a while, but it was almost like I wasn't disciplined enough to get over. Um, maybe that's the wrong word, but in my head, it's like, I wasn't disciplined enough to get over myself to go do the things that I didn't want to do. So I always gravitated towards the marketing channel that I enjoy the most which was relationships. So, um, and I, I, you know, um, I heard something today that uh, about memories, actually, that was like saying memories are not, you know, meant to think about or, you know, produce emotions necessarily. They're meant to like give you tools to avoid the same situation in the future or to progress further in the future. And so looking back at the memory of me in the first six months, all I did was go to real estate meetups and talk with people and build relationships with people. And then um, I look back on that as like, I probably really enjoyed that. Like if that was the first thing I could get myself to do, and it was very easy for me to do, like I was going to real estate meetups every single night, like if I could, and I loved every second of it. So, you know, I, I, I stuck with that as a base, but if I would have not still had those thoughts of like fear of missing out and not, you know, watch an hour YouTube video every other day on direct mail or whatever PPC and just focused on what I wanted. Um, I would have been way more successful just dialing in that one thing. But, um, I, you know, I got lucky in a lot of ways too, man. Like the market I was in the timing of me becoming a wholesaler in Flint, Michigan, when there were really no other wholesalers. And then the, the, that accompanied with my love for like talking with people and meeting people. Once I started doing deals, it all just kind of crashed in and like I became like the Flint man is what mm. people called me so and I, like that's luck in my eyes like I choose to like start in Flint Michigan 
yeah, I had to go do the, the meetups, but it wasn't like I had to, like I enjoyed doing it. So that kind of really just worked in my favor as far as me being able to do so much volume at like so soon, you could say, um, if that answers. If that answers well, and, and so one of the things that we talk about in the whale club is that there's a reason why some people seem to get lucky over and over and over again. Um, and I think you do a lot of these things naturally, inherently you, you understand the concept of really how to manufacture asymmetry, um, and engineer your own luck, right? Because you've managed, you've, you've built a system that has very little downside. And, and what we learn is that like, oftentimes people are, they, they focus on the wrong thing. They focus on, well, how do I get more upside? How do I become the, the Flint guy? Right. Right. And I think that's, that's the wrong way to, to look at it. I, I can tell because of how you built it, right? You didn't set out to do that. You just set out and you did the fundamentals over and mm -hmm. over and over consistently, right? With very, very low downside. What's the downside of getting up and going to the office and like making calls all day and you don't have a whole lot of overhead in your business. It's like there, there is very little. I mean, yeah. especially when you're like in your, you know, your late teens, early twenties, like what's the downside? You wasted four or five hours on the phone. Right. So what? And, and what I just, I love so much about you is that you might say, Hey, I got lucky that it happened to be in Flint, Michigan, but there's a reason why certain people seem to get lucky over and over and over again. And I think that you are one of those people because of your approach to business. A lot of the things that you do naturally just tend to lead to situations where some people might call it luck. I would just call it like, uh, uh, engineering a situation where you tend to get lucky more often than not. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like you see like this, the same people getting lucky over and over again. And like, I feel like I've, I feel like I get lucky over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's like, and it's not even like something you could brag about because like luck, like it feels like you might, you probably feel lucky. I would assume in some ways like to have you know, the things that have happened to me and like the people that have been put into my life, that's a huge thing. Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge thing to be able to even put the fundamental principles like you talk about in me to be able to like, I kind of look at it like based on what you just said is go into the unknown, but trusting the principles. And it's like, when you can get over that you almost open up room for luck because if you're relying solely on what you know then you know that either this is gonna produce 500 bucks an hour or it's not mm -hmm. and then if it does well you earned a good job well guess what you got to go earn it again tomorrow or it doesn't produce anything and you say well it just didn't work let me move on to the next thing because i know how this should have worked out and so yeah. like for me like the less i can rely on what i know and the more i can rely on principles and the and the foundation I have um and using that to like like having faith in those um to just seek to understand those principles more and then having faith that the end result is going to happen because the principles I'm following are good principles which is like the only reason I joined the whale club was I saw that you were and it, I, I never even had the I couldn't have even formulated the thoughts I'm formulating now when when I joined but it was like something about, you know, you were starting the whale club to begin with. It was very new to you. It was new. I think it was, I mean, it was new to 
um, at least it's like a coaching thing. It was new to you. It was new to me as far as like the crypto world. I didn't know anything about it, but I didn't question joining it. And like looking back on it, it was because I believed in the principles that you laid out, knowing like having faith that somebody in a leadership position, like over me in a coaching position, whatever you want to call it, that follows those principles will like buy, um, will just end up gaining the knowledge and understanding to be successful in like the physical world and the monetary world. And it was like, that was like, it was, it was oddly easy for me to, to trust that when I joined because of the way you went about it and starting with the foundations, I was like, there's something right about that. Like it just felt mm-hmm. right. It, and it's, and it's what, what I learned from, from my mentors, right. And the guys who taught me, um, it, it all comes back to like, crypto real estate trading stocks like buying and selling businesses it really doesn't matter if you don't have the underlying understanding of how to engineer luck how to create what we call asymmetry to the upside where like if i lose i lose small if i win i win big i want to make those bets as much as possible and and you mentioned something I don't know if you've heard this uh, this story, but Dan calls it naming the puppy. So the idea is if you're naming the puppy, imagine you're going into a pet store, right? And you're just going in to browse around and look at all these cute puppies that are here. Oh my gosh. And you go over and you're playing with them. And that, that pet owner, he's like giving you the puppy and, and you give that puppy a name. You're like, this one is you know, Rocky. Oh man, Rocky's so, so awesome. And you're playing with Rocky and, and they're like, yeah, you should take Rocky home. You're not going to, if you name that dog, you give a name to it. It's going to be really difficult for you not to take that puppy home. Hmm. So the idea of naming the puppy is like, we attach our emotions to, to the outcomes that we want. So we say like, I see this all the time uh, in our business. Like I'm a fix and flipper. And what happens is they've, they've named the puppy and it's really hard to get off of that identity, Hmm. you know? And so what you're doing when you name the puppy and you decide so far in advance of what it needs to be, you're eliminating all other optionality that might actually get you what you want in life quicker, faster, uh, more efficiently. Mm. Right. So it's like, again, the idea of engineering luck, isn't saying like, I have the perfect plan and I know exactly what's going to go right. Instead, it's like saying, I have this toolbox that I use to make good decisions. And instead of defining the thing like way in advance that needs to go right, all I need is to make good decisions on the next thing. I need the next one to two things to go right consistently and, and rely on the ability to, to navigate that through a toolbox, through this certainty operating system that we use. And again, what I love so much about what you do, Carson, is you do a lot of these things naturally. You've, you've got some of these things that aren't natural for most people. I know it wasn't natural for me, but you're able to start and stop something when new data presents itself. And it's like, Hey, even though I decided that this is, this is what I wanted to do when a new path, a more efficient path forward presents itself, you're able to be like, I never named the puppy. So 
I'm able to just, you're able to slide right into that optionality. And that in my mind is the, is the character trait of su successful people. They understand that engineering luck requires you to be like open to hmm. optionality. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that like, I don't, I wouldn't have looked at myself like that um, in the past, especially with real estate, because, um, you know, I think I definitely got attached to the identities that even, you know, even being like, you know, becoming some sort of a name in the local real estate community, um, you know, getting invited to speak at the local uh, landlords association meetup, um, people calling me the quote Flint man you know, that stuff does stuff subconsciously when you hear about an opportunity in Detroit, because like you said, I've been named. So, mate, so, and I, you know, I would assume other people naming you can do almost as much damage as you naming yourself if you allow it to, but that's, I guess, you know, I've always, I, there's always been, even throughout, you know, the times where I've been a lot more just focused, you know, a lot more, um, I guess, egotistical about what I know and who I think I am. There's always been like, uh, inquisitive like mindset of there's something I'm still missing like because there's you know on a really fundamental level because um there is always a better option like there's always a better option and so I was always open to like finding out those better options but then what it came down to is since it was I was doing it out of fear of like missing out in the future trying to control that outcome I never um was able to follow through on the principles like for example I joined uh, the whale club when I had five other things on my plate that I hadn't taken care of that were not running smoothly employees that were not being taken care of well all this other stuff out of uh, just um, you know self gain like you know trying to gain for myself um, thinking that would bring me fulfillment or maybe put me further in the name that I had for myself in whatever way um, which it didn't um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm, that I'm lucky with that too. Like it is like, I'm grateful that I never stop to like think, you know, think outside the box. And I, I pride myself on, I guess, being open-minded about new ideas. Um, and it's, it's almost like a muscle too. Like the more you are open to change, um, which starts with you not focusing on the outcome because it'll, you'll never know the outcome. So why focus on it? But you can know the principles. And once you know your principles, then you can determine which changes are, which changes align with your principles. And if you're basing it, the actions on those, you know, once you make those changes, if you're basing the action steps on those principles, you can do it out of intention instead of like obligation to not miss out. And then you can really thrive just off those principles because you're not worried about the downside as much. Yeah. I mean, your, 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 your journey is just so, I mean, I would say it's, a lot of us can relate. Let's just say you're taught. You've talked a lot so far about FOMO and fear. Um, fear manifests itself in a lot of different ways. Um, one of the things that I found I struggled with was fear of being uh, left behind. You know, so for example, you go to these masterminds and I meet a 22 year old kid who's doing 10 deals a year. And I'm like, why am I not doing 10 deals a year? Right. And so uh, it's like a, it's like a trap of comparison. You, you find yourself trying to compare yourself to other people 
and, and it's really, man, if it's really like deep down, what it is, is fear and insecurity about what you're doing and where you're at in your journey. How have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with the fact is, is you took a pretty quick meteoric rise, right? And it, and the reason you were able to do that is because you micro step and you kept asymmetry in your favor. So you knew how to engineer luck, but your, your, your business has changed a little bit since the first time I met you. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how you've dealt with the, the, the comparison trap and how you're building your business now to lean into your unique disposition and your particular strengths, let's say. Hmm. So the first question, how have I dealt with the comparison trap? Um, honestly, I, um, I never felt like I really had to deal with it too much. Or I never felt like I like I faced it head on too much because what I ended up doing was just gravitating toward the one thing that I was, you know, in my eyes ahead of almost all people my age in, which was business. And so um, I neglected a lot of other things that I may have, I would have really enjoyed doing, or I may have really enjoyed doing, um, that would have probably like, you know, served my bigger purpose better long-term, but in a, in the moment, um, that wasn't like a thought. So it was almost like I, I didn't compete if I knew I was going to lose, if I wasn't going to be first. Um, and so joining collective genius even was like from the start, um, you know, I kind of like, well, as long as I'm just like on par with the other people, you know, above like 90% of them as far as my age. And I think it was more subconscious than conscious because I would have lied to myself consciously and said, oh, I'm not doing this out of ego. Like I'm not doing this out of ego, but, but subconsciously, I think is, I thought as long as the majority of people view me X, you know, this way, then I don't have to necessarily pursue growth in this area. Um, but then it became like, well, this is the only area that you're working on. So this is really all you have going for you. So what else are you going to build? And now you have this huge support system. And now these people are expecting you to grow like they grew. And so I kind of just kept pursuing that. Um, and then, you know, and, and during all that, you know, when you're pursuing it um, at the end of the day for, for, you know, your appearance, I guess you could say, as it relates to other people, um, you know, you do, you're almost like forced to have FOMO because you're worried about missing out on like maybe at the end of the day, what they think, what they could think about you or how you could be viewed by them. And so every little thing pops in and it's like, well, this could, this could make me be viewed this way or make me be viewed this way. And so I kind of like got to this point where I was, I had all of the things on a level I felt was um, like, what's, I'm not sure what the word is, but a level I felt was like superior, I guess, to an, to my, maybe like the majority of my peers. And like, it sounds terrible to say, and it kind of is a terrible thing to, 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 you know, move towards, but I got that. And once I got all of that, you know, like whether it was like the cars or the money or the combination of everything, I don't even know what it was. Like it put me like, it kind of put me on my ass. Like I, I had this like couple months of like, man, this is, um, this is like, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning anymore. Like what's going on? Like I have what I've been looking for. I'm growing in this aspect. I'm hiring more employees. My business is growing. You know, I went from doing 10 deals a month by myself to now we're doing 10 deals a month and my salespeople are doing the deals. You know, I'm helping my salespeople, but I still don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning. Like what is something, something's off. Mm. Um, 
And so that was like the pinnacle of like me chasing like uh, myself and chasing the things of this world as far as like material possessions and, you know, feeding the ego, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I kind of had like a, a, a paradigm shift, you could say, um, on, a, on a pretty large level that completely shifted my perspective of what really matters. Um, and I, I think it was like inevitable, like for that to happen, just because I hit the hit what in my head subconsciously somewhere I needed to hit to, to be who I needed to be at 22. And it was like, well, shoot, I'm 22 now. Like I'm feeling all these things of like depression or not, you know, all that kind of stuff. I've still got quite a bit of life to live. Like mm -hmm. I can't go on like this. Like I got to figure something else out because if I keep chasing this, I'm going to keep getting the same results mentally. And so it drove me to like, just at, at the end of the day, like seek out um, understanding and like perspective from different people that I consider uh, wise, I guess you could say. And through that kind of journey, I was able to find what, you know, I believe and I'm still, you know, I was able to figure, pretty much find out that everything I was chasing, I was chasing for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. And I was able to internalize that and have this moment of realization, like, this is not what this is about. Um, and it's not what it should be about. And it's not what brings me joy anymore. So it just changed, you know, my intentions behind everything changed. Um, and so from there, the level I've been able to operate on has been unbelievable to me because like on a day-to-day -day basis and it's, you know, I, I struggle like on some days or whatever, you know, there's off days, but on the good days where I'm operating out of intention, like this new place of intention, um, like one example, okay, instead of doing 150 grand this month, I'm going to help my salesperson make an extra thousand dollars so he can buy his kid X for their birthday. Like when I could somehow internalize and my intention changed, my why changed from serving myself to serving others, um, I can operate off such at such a higher level, I feel like on a day-to-day -day basis, because it's not about me. So I don't feel like I have to control the outcome mm. because my needs are met. So in reality, all the things I felt obligated to do that I was doing out of obligation, I wasn't obligated to do any of them. Yeah. You know, my bills were paid with $3,000 a month. I mean, and the obligations that we acquire in our businesses just become liabilities to us later. Right. It's like, um, <clears throat> first of all, kudos to you for hitting your, you know, financial certainty goals. Right. We got to work on your business treasury. We got to make sure that you keep that cash working <laughs> for you for the rest of your life. And, right. uh, we'll talk more about that. But I, what it sounds like you realized is like what we talk about is the first wealth, first a wealth commandment, which basically says we want to get closer to the things that we want without chasing more and more. And that's a hard realization when you come to in business, where you realize that more is not actually getting you closer to what you want, like another car, another $100,000 check, like another trip to wherever. And you're like, I already did that. Like, right. and, and, and that fall from crap I can't solve my happiness by just more and more and more to, to have learned that at such a young age is fortunate for you. Right. Absolutely. I believe. Um, and so you realize that it's not about chasing more. It's about actually getting closer to the things that you want out of life. And although 
money is a lot of our first problems that we often can solve that we want to solve because for a lot of us it's hard to see past anything that's fine start with money right but but you everyone that pursues money as a goal eventually realizes that it's not all about money that mm -hmm. ultimately these businesses and these investments should should really be helping us get closer to what our true purposes our true goals you know i say that I like to play business as a sport. It means I want to design my life and all the businesses that I own in a way that they take, that they're very reliable. They don't take a ton of time because I get, ooh, shiny object. Like, I want to play this business. I want to see if I can solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So I've designed it in a way where that's not a bad thing. Go play. I'm, I'm trying to get closer and closer to that. And it sounds like what you're closer is, at least for right now, and obviously this is going to change because you're so young, right? The things that you want over time are going to continue to change. Right. So you've got to design this system that accounts for that, right? So right now you're getting a lot of value out of pouring into your employees, helping them solve different things. As you grow as a business owner, as an investor, as a leader, your scope is going to also change, right? So that, that, that journey of alignment is not a checkbox. You know, I just had a great conversation earlier this year. Some people are like, figure out your why as if it's some check box <laughs> to make. It's like, well, guess what? What you wanted three years ago is probably very different than what you want today. It's reasonable to assume it's going to be very different than what you want three years from now. Mm -hmm. And it ties back into the whole naming the puppy concept, mm -hmm. right? If you name the puppy on what your why is and you don't give yourself ability and latitude to adjust that as more information comes in, you realize you might be able to make a bigger impact. You realize you might have a calling for something different. Well, I think you're going to be very well positioned for that, Carson, because you've already built that into your life and the way that you approach things. Um so I love that what, you know, you, you had that quick realization, I guess what I would tell you is I've probably had that two or three times, hmm. right? So it'll continue to happen. And the more that we can all just continue to allow ourselves to change our mind, like I reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> I reserve my right to adjust, you know, and, and we should give ourselves that grace. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Use the word grace. Because it's, you know, grace is like undeserving. So it's like giving ourselves something that we don't deserve. It's probably really difficult to do like mentally, especially us as like uh, business owners, when we, everything's so transactional, you know, I deserve this because I gave you this, you know, I gave you money, you give me this. Um, and I think that's, that becomes difficult. And like the whole, um, yeah, I mean, those principles, man, are like spot on because they're hard for people to grasp. I think that rely on what they know um, in the moment, you know, to try to predict what's best for them in the future instead of relying on those principles. But those principles are huge and are so much more broad as far as the opportunity they present to each individual instead of like, you know, everyone can do a lot of, well, I don't want to say that, but, you know, we think, oh, anyone, if they had $2 million could do a lot, could do a lot of good, you know, but that's, not even close to as broad as someone who has those principles that you're talking about and has the foundation of, you know, even like what the whale club can provide for people as far as um, having your needs met on a 
much more passive basis. Um, and then also having the opportunity within that realm to work you know, on a day-to-day -day basis and grow and learn, but also to do whatever else you want to do while that treasury is working for you. Um, you know, that's just a much more powerful thing than make it, make an extra 10 grand a month. And then this, I guess this is my last thought with that. Cause I think it was cool that you said it, but you know, we can know, like, like I know how much money I make every month. Cause it's a number I can look at it and say like, it's, you can't really argue it, I guess, you know, if you got your numbers down, you know, your numbers. Um, and so when you're chasing that, so let's say you need to make 10 grand a month to pay your bills. You have a house, five kids, whatever you need to make 10 grand a month. You spend three years trying to make 10 grand a month. And like, I would imagine what could happen, like even what happened to me. Um, and I'm kind of just like realizing this as I'm saying it, but you, you become comfortable because you know, money now, you know, if I do X, I'm going to get X amount of dollars. And so it accomplished your first goal, but like you said, it might not accomplish your second goal. And so it's, it was, I think that's probably why it was partially hard for me to move over into a different like mind state, a, a mindset of, of why, because it's like, this works so consistently. Like I know this, I know if I go make a hundred phone calls, I'm going to make an extra five grand. Um, but you do that enough and enough. And like, once you hit what you really need, you just keep doing it. And then you realize like, this isn't changing, but what you're making is, and it's like, it just becomes pointless after time. Mm-hmm. The idea is just to get all, all of our businesses and investments to be as reliable. Uh, we say least amount of risk, least amount of effort, most amount of options, right? And and it's not because we're lazy. It's because we want to have optionality to, mm -hmm. to, to pursue things when they change, right? You get some opportunity to help somebody. I want to be able to take that advantage of that. You know, it's like if you're stuck in your business, that's... Some days it takes you two hours. Some days it's 16 hours. I mean, right. it's not exactly very predictable. Some days, some weeks, or, or I should say some months I make 10 grand. Some makes I, uh, months I make zero. And some makes it, months I make 50. It's tough to build any sort of reliability or predictability around that. So yes, the idea is try to domesticate that risk as much as possible and keep your head up to be able to see optionality as it comes right mm -hmm. and and tell yourself it's okay to change our mind so yeah and that's what those principles allow you to do because you're not naming yourself you're just following the principles which like the principles that i know of the whale club are not like like there's it's their principles are not necessarily goals mm -hmm. and so it's like you might not ever you know it's not something that necessarily can be achieved at one point and some, which is what gives you the freedom within like the whale club and within those guidelines, like the frame to be able to really do whatever you want and prosper in what you really want and still being able to, to stick to those throughout the whole thing. So that's, it's a cool thing, man. I think it's like, we need more, um, I think we need more business people talking about this kind of stuff and encouraging these frameworks within business to allow people to not only succeed in these areas and help other people succeed in financial areas, but also um, to give them the freedom to go do, you know, stuff outside of that, mm -hmm. pursue their purpose. Whatever it may be. Right. Um, thanks for sharing that, man. It's been a pleasure to hear you uh, tell your story. I know you got a lot ahead of you, so we'll have to bring you back at some point and, and share more. Um, thanks for all your support with everything you've done with me in the whale club. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, Carson, what's the best way they could do that? If you're trying to 
sell houses to the uh to the flint flint man or uh, how how would they get in touch with you yeah um instagram is the best um i think it's gonna be in the comments or something but c demic d-e-m-i-c-k 12 is my instagram actually you know i changed it i changed it because carson demic was available nice it's like perfect so carson demic it's just my name perfect yeah we'll have all that in the in the show notes here so you guys can go check out what carson's up to and keep track of his progress as he uh you know, continues in business and and investing. So anyways, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. And uh, for everybody else, we'll see you guys on the next show. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, man.